0: We shall continue our sermon sessions in the Gospel of John. We are in chapter 19, and the portion of Scripture we shall be looking at this hour is from verse 16 through verse 30. The Crucifixion. Thus far we have seen in the last hour of our Lord and Master His betrayal from a close friend. We have seen Him also before the priests the Jews and uh, the recipient of unlawful proceedings, if you will, and then migrated over to the Roman power before Pilate, and we saw the mistreatment of our Lord and Master as per the witness account recorded in the books we currently, of course, hold and read and this leads to the crucifixion. We shall begin in verse 16 and move forward in the information. So he then handed him over to them to be crucified. We remember the uh, vote which had taken place between Jesus, an innocent man, and Barabbas, who was a robber, an insurrectionist, and a murderer. So then... Christ was handed over to the powers permitted to persecute him and bring him to the cross. They took Jesus, in verse 17, Therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. Now that's interesting, is it not, in all its facets and uh, uh, perceptions, if you will, that such a name would be given to the location in which our Lord and Master permitted himself to be uh, a sacrifice, a place called Skull. We have that imagery today as well, and we identify it with death, do we not? and it has at times a morbid aspect to its uh, uh, visual. It need not, of course, be to the detriment of uh, uh, a great many corrupt things the world may seek to display, but rather to the human condition in a location in which death is inevitable. They took him, therefore, And he went out, bearing his own cross. And it is important for us to understand, of course, the nature of this sacrifice and the culture in which brought it forth. The Romans were capable of taking what had been practiced by the Persians prior to their age, and they perfected this act of barbarism. Capital punishment, of course, is permissible, and it has been and is through the word of God. However, they had since brought it to almost an inhumane uh, uh, measurement. And uh, they would utilize this for the most grievous criminals of their community, which were typically, again, murderers or insurrectionists, anyone who would dare go against the Roman power. And Jesus was there. And the way it would function is you would typically have a, uh, a, um, a wooden beam, if you will, already in place in the location in which capital punishment would be administered, and you, as the criminal, would have been tied to the upper wooden uh, 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 beam that you would hold. So you would not be holding the entire cross, if you will, as is perhaps commonly seen or perceived, but in true historical fact, you would be holding the upper beam, and you would have to walk with the upper beam to the location where the other beam that was already erected there, ready, it could be placed on. And uh, this, of course, would have been in the thought of bearing your crime, if you will, to the moment in which your thoughts are having you um, shamed, because you're a criminal, you're a murderer, you're an insurrectionist. Jesus, however, a pure man, an innocent man, doing this for the cause of our redemption. So that would have been the visual, if you will, historically to the narrative, and that is indeed important for us to kind of place ourselves in the exegetical flow of this here inspired narrative. So they brought him to the place of skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him. John is brief with uh, the act of violence against Jesus. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew and Mark, and Luke would of course give us a great more detail to what had taken place. But John wants us to remember not so much the violence of what was... uh, 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 Oppressed on Christ, if you will, at that hour, but more so that Jesus, in the fulfilling, redemptive scheme of salvation for mankind, is on the forefront. His submissive will to obedience to his Father in heaven, that he indeed was human, is the idea John wants us to understand. There are false misunderstandings of Jesus, that the Christ did not truly come in human form. I assure you, he did. He was fully man, as He was fully God. And He was tempted in all things like you and I have been tempted in all things. He has seen sorrow, He has uh, 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 experienced sorrow, He has experienced joy, He has experienced all the things that you and I experience. Also, the human engine, if you will, the biological uh, uh, organism that we are, he, He experienced like hunger, fatigue, those things as well and so john was not going to more so open up the great elaborate details of this uh sacrifice but rather keep it brief so they crucified him there and with him it says two other men one on either side and jesus in between and this account is again in more so detail in the gospel of luke where we would commonly call it uh, the thief on the cross, correct? He was there, the Christ, and we have this imagery that there were two robbers on each side of him, insurrectionists, thieves, and both of them in the account of Luke, would you know, were hurling abuse at Jesus. They were hostile towards Jesus, yet one of them, in repentance, uh, changed his mind and his heart softened, and he recognized that Jesus had no business being among them, for this capital punishment. And of course the other, as we know the account commonly, would still hurl abuse at Jesus, to which the one who was repenting was rebuking the one who did not repent and saying, what are you, you're about to die. Would your heart not soften to know that Jesus is an innocent man? You and I, we are insurrectionists, we are robbers, we belong to this capital punishment, we deserve it. But this man is innocent. And of course, we know the beautiful... Uh, account of Christ's mercy, even at a time where he could have selfishly thought of himself, and you and I would have given him credibility to that end, well, yeah, I mean, he's dying on a cross, he's obviously going to be thinking of himself, he wasn't thinking of himself, he was thinking of the spiritual well-being of a man who previously, a few minutes prior, was hurling abuse at him, but then softened, then understood, and that happens, that's a true testament to the human mind. One day we hate God, and the next day we love him. What happened, and how did it happen? At times it may take years. At times it may take hours. Sometimes some walls we have are uh, uh, crumbled down by the truth and the power of this word. And so the man, of course, humbled himself and was permitted to be in paradise with Jesus that day. And that account is found in the other gospels. It continues and says... In verse 19, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Quite offensive to the Jews, mind you. They did not want that inscription, that title, which was typically reserved for the guilt of the criminal. It would have said, robber, thief, murderer. Like, that would have been the charge you were being punished for. And so what is Jesus being punished for? Being the king of the Jews. And why would Pilate dare put that there, uh, 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 as a description? Because Pilate's had enough of these Jews. He didn't find any criminal intent against the Roman power. To which Pilate numerous times said, I find no guilt in the man. He is not a threat to us. And they continued to manipulate Pilate back in the corner where he had no choice but to give them this capital punishment. And so he says to himself, oh yeah, okay, I know what we'll put in the description of Jesus, that he's the king of the Jews. And they didn't like that very much, because in their minds, he's not. Well, that's the charge. So therefore, many of the Jews in verse 20 read this instruction, or this inscription, if you will. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. Which is why you would find a different description in the Synoptic Gospels. It's not a contradiction, my dear friends. It's a matter of language, which was written in all those three formats, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And it was near the city, because we know through Jewish law, you could not have a death within the compound, if you will. It had to be outside of the boundary limits of the, that city. And it was purposely done so also as a spectacle of sorts to everyone, saying, here's what happens to bad people. So everyone could see it from children, from women, and men, right there in front of you. And of course, the Jews didn't Not appreciate that whatsoever and they in verse 21 the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate do not write the king of the Jews but that he said I am king of the Jews (laughs) they're quite demanding I think they have misplaced their position in this power they are submissive to and Well, Pilate has a brief word for them in verse 22. What I've written, I have written. Deal with it. You've been annoying me with this man I found no guilt in. You've pressured me, you've manipulated me, you've pushed me in a corner, and I was in a bad spot here because there's peace in Rome, and I don't want to have to deal with my superiors over this man you all claim is a threat. So, what I put there is what it is. Deal with it. And at that point, of course, what are they going to do? They cannot overthrow the Roman power. They are submissive to the Roman power. And how did they ever, as God's people, become slaves to a Roman oppression? They lost their faith along the way. You know, it had been four hundred years since God had di- had, had uh, 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 um, what's the word now? It had been four hundred years since God had divinely intervened with mankind. Meaning it had been 400 years that God was not among men in a direct way. So to their minds, God was through the Sanhedrin. God was through the Pharisaical kind, or the uh, Sadducee, and, and scribes, and chief priests, and whatnots. So it's interesting how that period of time, the mind of these uh, Jews... Uh, began to uh, seek their own selfish desires and interpretations to the text in which they were beginning to create law out of thin air and bind law and bind tradition. And of course, all of that to its pivotal moment here in which they give Jesus to the hands of godless men to be crucified. So Pilate's not going to mess around with them anymore. He's given them enough. I'm not going to change the description of that title It is what it is, I've written it as it is. And in verse 23, the soldiers, which would have typically been four soldiers in historical narrative, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, which again would have been standard allowance to the soldiers for their deed. It's kind of their pay, if you will. A part of every soldier and also the tunic. Uh Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece, describing the attire that was made available uh, from our Lord and Master. And it should be understood that he did not wear this while crucified. They crucified men with what we at times humorously say his birthday suit. It's a shameful moment for a criminal. That's the idea to shame you for being an insurrectionist, to shame you for being a murderer, to shame you for being a robber. And uh, sadly, they did that to our Lord and Master as well, who was an innocent man. Yet the fulfillment of the psalmist 22 is in completion to this account in the New Testament, is it not? Mm-hmm. The things we've heard Jesus say, in the way he has sent them, <coughs> has perhaps left a great many believers confused. That is until you go to Psalm 22 and you read the exact fulfillment of the Scripture. So the text continues in verse 24, "...So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it." Now, why would they think that way? Because they know it's a high-profile case. It has a lot of turmoil and gossip and a lot of grapevine buzz in the community. They can make some money off of this, of course. To decide who shall it be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which of course, quoting scripture, they divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Again, if anyone is a true and genuine, honest, transparent student of this holy book, you will begin to rightly handle if your heart is humble to the text, and you allow the text to guide you, and not you choose to guide the text to your own selfish ambition, you will begin to know that our prophets Isaiah and Micah and Daniel and Joel and the psalmist and all these have spoke of messianic utterance which became true and fulfilled to the very letter and direct information. It was indeed so powerful that my discussions, if you will, and engagements with my prior friends in my prior life, who have an atheistic worldview, could not refute. And that was one of a very strong, powerful, apologetic presence, an excursion of sorts for another day in study. The fact is, how on earth could men who lived 400 to 1,000 years prior to a man named Jesus walking this earth know the exact location how he was going to suffer, by whose hand he was going to suffer, and how does one know that? You may guess a thing or two in your life, but to know that kind of information takes a deeper insight that you and I uh, are not uh, uh, privileged to have. Okay, back from the excursion, the verse again, verse 24, "...they said to one another, let us tear it, but cast lots for it to decide..." Uh, whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. And again, it's most important to understand how they, through their wicked deed, their evil works, their lawless practice, and the thought that they were conquering or defeating this man were blinded by the fact that they were ...producing the fulfillment of the Scripture. The devil thought he was going to win the day. I'm going to murder the Son of God. Ha! What better revenge and bitterness could I not have but to murder the Son of God. In his blindness, his corruption, he was missing the mark greatly that Jesus was in full control of this situation... And that God was victorious over the devil and over death. Therefore, verse twenty-five: the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, or were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. To which, of course, has. Uh, uh, family tie to the writer, John. That's interesting to me, because it's a close connection to John, whom is known as the one was loved. So when Jesus then saw his mother, in verse 26, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, the other disciples aren't nearby, they are far off to this situation, but John, whom is known as the one who, standing nearby, who is loved, uh, is, is right there, because it so happens that he has uh, family nearby in one of these women. So when Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Now today, in our quote-unquote politically correct society, If I, in public, were to look at my wife in front of everyone publicly and say, Hey, woman, it would not take long that individuals might want to see me as some kind of, uh, perhaps, chauvinist uh, or various other descriptive words that they can pull out. That is not so in this context, and though they would try to force it into this culture of the first century uh, mind, uh, you can't. It's an endearment. It's a, it, it's not. It, it's an endearment and a very close and uh, loving description of his mother to say "woman," so that we know that truth. Behold, your son. <clears throat> then he said to the disciple. Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. His siblings were not believers in him. Not yet. They would become, but they were not yet. And as Jesus, the eldest, it would have been given to him in responsibility to take care of his mother. Because in the first century, if you were a woman, and you had not a male provider... You may be in some hard times. And of course that was not designated by God's hand, but by the culture deviating from God's pattern to have man and woman equal, though in very, though in different tasks, mind you, in life, equal nonetheless. Jesus understood this moment and he is telling John that John would be to overlook for his mother to be taken care of. And from that moment, of course, John would do that. And after this, verse 28, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. He's in control, remember, to fulfill the scripture. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, So they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, or bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. This is not the gall, if you will, of drink that they extend to him to soften his wits it would have been given to the criminal on the cross because of the excruciating pain, the equivalence of us saying, you want a bit of liquor? Do you want some uh, ibuprofen? I don't know, anything, that would alleviate the pain you're going through, right? Not out of care. Typically, the Romans would do that so as to have you softened a bit to remain there and die longer. So Jesus, of course, in the accounts of the other gospels said no to that. At no time, for no reason, did ever corruption enter into the body or mind of Jesus Christ. Whether it be liquor, or it be drugs, or anything of that fashion, Christ had to remain pure and be the full recipient of this pain and sacrifice. But this here is not that. This here that he is drinking is indeed because of his thirst. He is a human being. He is God on earth. But he is a human being, and you must set yourself into that hour. He's not had much sleep, has he? He's just been through a betrayal. He's just been through a shunning. He's just been apprehended and given a false trial filled with corruption. He's been flogged, beaten, spat upon, slapped, whipped. He is indeed... And that itself could have killed him, if you should know. Yet he lives... He's thirsty, he's hungry, he's beaten, he's a human being, yet he is God on earth. He is going to take a drink from this sponge and upon this branch, which is interesting to me, a bit of a gem for your treasury, if you will. That branch would have been the branch that they utilized in Egypt to dip in the blood of the lamb to put on the door so that death could pass by and not claim the firstborn child. Isn't that something? Yeah, I think God knows this kind of stuff. We just catch up to it. He's up there saying, there you got it now. That's quite powerful, isn't it? Very much so. Because of the kind of uh, uh, texture it would absorb, you see. So you you could paint with it or drink from it and things of that nature. And it is indeed to fulfill the scripture. And it took place as it would be. And it's interesting again how those who are trying their most in evil acts to destroy or to deviate or contaminate or void the plan of salvation which the devil has had from the very beginning. In their blindness, they don't see that they are actually participating in the fulfillment of it. So, if any word of encouragement through all the pain and sorrow we go through in this life, which is an inevitable experience, from one degree to another. Some say it's too difficult to live as a Christian. Oh, is your life so peachy and creamy? Is your life so perfect right now? No. The Bible says, you're going to suffer. Why not suffer for what is right and have hope? in an eternal life where we'll never say bye to our loved ones again, and we will be with Him. And you can know that as a fact, I assure you. If you would have known me in my past life, you would not recognize me today. I would not believe in this book if I could not defend this book in an honorable court of law. I would not believe in a man named Jesus if I could not defend Him truthfully. Our faith cannot be based on whim or on blindness. We must defend the truth, and we can recognize it. I investigated this information, from going through a pagan mind and heathen way of life to a faithful follower of our Lord and Master, far from perfect, yet trying. This account had to be either true or false. There's no way around that. That is logical. Either we are reading the words of Fable, written by men who were fools, or we are indeed reading the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, that it is a God-breathed book that can pierce your heart, and that the information we can read has scientific evidence, historical evidence, and logic, common sense, or a sense in which we should all have commonly. (laughs) He fulfilled the prophets, he fulfilled the scripture, and he was in full control. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, which would, of course, given him relief in in his throat, in his mouth. Remember You, you have to put yourself in such a, a moment, if you will, to understand how devastating it must have been in his body seeking that. He says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus purposely controlled the situation. God purposely controlled the situation. The Jews and the chief priests and the Sanhedrin and the socio-political power of the Jewish tradition did not usurp authority over Jesus at any time. They did not tort God's plan for redemption. Nor did the Roman power, which was the empire that ruled the world 2,000 years ago, to which our culture still today practices a great many things that the Roman power practiced. Sadly. He said it's finished. They did. He did. He bowed his head. They didn't make him do that. And a bowing of head is a a, a preparing for rest. I am telling my, uh, and the power and authority and free will to choose my rest. You get to choose when you go to bed tonight, don't you? Now that may affect the way you work tomorrow, but it's in your free will desire. I want to go to bed at nine tonight. I want to go to bed at ten. I want to go to bed. I will rest my head. Jesus knew at what moment things were completed, and that's why he was capable of saying, it is finished. His purpose was to come on this earth, to teach us repentance, change, to give us love, true love, his family, to establish his kingdom, his church. He fulfilled all things, and he said, it is finished, and he gave up his Spirit. And of course, we remind ourselves how this is so well woven in the Scriptures as an orchestra of various instruments playing together a symphony that is so wonderful. is so true. It has a ring of truth to it, of course. It sets us free. Birth from the mind of God, prophesied by the prophets of old, promised by the Christ, purchased by his blood, practiced by our faith in him. He had accomplished and it was finished. And that is certainly something we can find hope in. He is in control. The great I am is in control. And he has all authority. You and I have free will. And we are blessed to have free will. For if God had created robots, how could he have ever known we loved him? If I put a gun to your head and I say, you better tell me you love me or I'll shoot you. There's a great possibility you might say I love you. But is it because you truly love me? Or is it because you live in fear at that moment to save your life? Fear has much utility. But fear in the hands of corruption can be utilized and taken advantage of against your will. God created us free-willed agents. Jesus was a man, fully. Of free will, submissive to his Father. And it is very encouraging and comforting that even in such a a devastating moment and its inevitable end, its necessity if you will Christ was in control we have a uh, portion to practice in our responsibilities and our priorities but all of this was not a fulfillment for man's desires, or for falsehoods of every kind. Jesus died for the very purpose he was certainly born, which was for the forgiveness of mankind. There is truly no other logical conclusion to the testament. Jesus lived and died to bring forth salvation, which is the forgiveness of sins. If you are snared in a dungeon and you are rescued, you have been saved from a location of darkness where there were chains around you. That might be up here in the deep sorrow we experience in this life at times. Removed from what location? A location in which we lived in sin. It is most important that this sacrifice not be in vain. He died for a purpose and we are to seek that purpose. And we are to follow His name, His authority. It's a powerful thing. Through this death that He was in full control of, you and I today no longer need to live with the burden of sin. Truly, I have yet to find any better explanation of this life, if you will. In my past life, everything was lost in confusion and doubt and pain and hate and anger. And now, freedom, privilege, love family every single one of you bring a great comfort to me and I do pray I have or I produce to a certain degree the same towards your way we are his family this church does not belong to me it does not belong to you it belongs to him and him only and through him our love for him and following Him, we can be together. And we can give commitment. And He can do great works through us if we allow it. The instruction of the Scriptures are certainly clear. That if we seek to have the blessings of His sacrifice, we must visit His tomb. Therein, the invitation to everyone. Jesus is the only authority and name to save our souls. Acts 4.12 There is no other name in heaven or on earth in which mankind can be saved. I cannot save you. I don't have that power. I may stand behind this pulpit, and I may teach, and I may preach, but I have no power to save you. None of us do. We are fallen. We don't have that power. Nothing but Christ can save us. The world's going to try to tell us about otherwise. But no other power than Christ. And all who believe in Him and confess Him as their Lord and Master, who are willing to repent, change the way they think, to start a path away from living sinful things or believing in sinful things, they all qualify to visit His tomb where He was buried. And the reason we go to His tomb To be buried with him. If we have faith. Without faith you won't make it. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith you won't make it. If we have true living Bible faith. We will go to the tomb with him. To be buried with him. For therein when he rose. He raises us out of that tomb. I know not of any better plan than his. His the gospel, buried with him, and risen with him. Water can't save us. Water can't do it. No one but Jesus can do it. And when we call on his name, and we go into that tomb of his spiritually with faith, we come out of that tomb, faith, he saves us. He washes away our sins when we call on his name. That's why you see us bring the confession to John Smith. John Smith, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. He is the Son of God. We will call on the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and immerse you into his grave, where you will be risen with him. Peter knew that very well in 1 Peter 3.21. It's a spiritual operation, Colossians 2.12. Jesus commanded it in Mark 16.16. 16. We can't earn our salvation. Paul made that very clear, didn't he, to the brethren in Ephesus. You cannot boast of anything. You cannot meritoriously earn your salvation. Stop going back to the old law and thinking you can bind circumcision and find salvation in circumcision. It ain't there. It's in Christ. Immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged, buried, clothed, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. It won't happen if you don't have faith. In Jesus Christ, in His work fulfilled, when you are buried and you are raised up, born again out of water in the Spirit, added Acts twenty Acts two forty seven Acts two forty one added as a legal citizen to His kingdom. There in the invitation, of course, that is always available to all of us here. That concludes the section of this scripture. Lord willing, we shall certainly. Move forward with verse 31 through 42 next week. And uh, yeah, we will uh, move forward with uh, the song.